end this series on the Sermon on the Mount, I'll tell you guys a couple of stories and, and make some application from the Scripture and look back through it, and then we'll be dismissed after that. But you notice the whole Sermon on the Mount is from Matthew 5 to Matthew 7, and, um, and we've got this picture, and, and I know I see the kids, and you guys see a picture of something on the screen? What is it? It's a mountain. You guys see the mountain? It's kind of like finds, you know, those pictures. And uh, it's a mountain. But there's two mountains. One is turned upside down. It's that reminder for us all that when sin came into the world, when, when all of our first great, 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 great grandparents, Adam and Eve, took the fruit from the tree and sin entered our world, it turned the world upside down. And it messed everything up. And it brought disease and it brought death and it brought cancer and it brought hatred and abuse and racism and all these different things that infect our society today, all because of that one choice to walk away from God and say, God, I don't want to do things your way. I'd, I'd prefer my own way. And so it turned the world upside down. But Jesus came, and he came to turn the world right side back up. And so you get to reach over and touch your neighbor. Now this is the part where audience participation is always much better, is if you get to reach over, go ahead and touch your neighbor, find somebody and say, let's turn the world right side up. Let's turn the world right side up. And, and that's the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus is talking about his kingdom coming back and, and invading the earth that has been cursed by sin. Goodness and light and beauty is coming back in and he's teaching people, how do you turn the world right side back up? And, and he starts with this, this inside out mentality is, my kingdom works from the inside of a person. So it's not about all this religious stuff. And so Jesus just hits uh, stuff hard. He starts in Matthew 5 with the Beatitudes. He says, blessed are, not are the wealthy, not are the successful, not are the smartest. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers, right? I mean, can you, can you imagine that list? Jesus says, these are the people of my kingdom. Not all the, the superstars and the talented people, but, man, those who mourn. And then he says, this righteousness that my people have, my kingdom people have, it's an inside righteousness, not a religious outside show everybody I'm, I look good righteousness, but a true deep righteousness. So he talks about things like murder. And we tend to think, oh, yeah, murder's wrong. I'm not a murderer. I'm good. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Let's get to the heart of murder. The heart of murder is anger. And so he asks a really tough question. Do you have anger in your heart? And all of us are like, oh, no, maybe Jesus won't see me and, uh, and won't, won't go poking around in my heart. He talks about adultery. And, and, and people say, I, don't, I haven't committed adultery. He says, hey, how's the purity of your eyes? Are you looking upon people with pure eyes and not lusting over them? He talks about loving your neighbor. And everybody says, oh, yeah, I love my neighbor. I'm good to my neighbor. Jesus says, no, true righteousness means loving your enemies too. And I'm going to show you how to do that. He goes on to talk about praying. And people are like, oh, yeah, I pray. And he says, no, you don't pray like the hypocrites, the show-offs in church, the show-off religious folks who pray to be seen by others using all these eloquent words. He says, when you pray, this is all in Matthew 5 and 6. I'm just catching you up in the story. He says, when you pray, I mean, you, you go into your closet and you pray to your father who's unseen. And when you give and you, and you help the needy, you, you, don't, you don't make a big show of it and, and say, hey, everybody, look what I gave. Aren't I the most generous person? He says, no, you, you give in a way that doesn't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. That's another one of those phrases that we hear, right? I remember when I first said that, I was like, oh, that's in the Bible. That's where that came from. And so this is all where we are in the Sermon on the Mount. And now at chapter 7, he's closing the Sermon on the Mount, and he's asking us, and he's challenging us. This is the bookend of the sermon. He's saying, 
How do you enter this kingdom? This kingdom that, that is my kingdom, how do you enter that kingdom, right? That's a great question, isn't it? How do I know that I'll be part of God's kingdom? That's a great question to teach our kids, to know for ourselves. Man, am I a part of God's kingdom? And he starts these verses with some warnings. So I brought a few signs for us today because I like to collect strange pictures and, and the internet is full of them. So I brought some, some, some ill-advised warning signs. I think we're going to show some of those. I love this one. It says, please be safe. Do not stand, sit, climb, or lean on fences. If you fall, the animals could eat you, and that might make them sick. Thank you. So we, got, we got our priorities right here. Right? And uh, the, the next one, let's, let's show the next one there. Uh, beware of the dog, but beware of the cat too. He's kind of weird. Right? If I saw a cat wearing that, I think I'd, I'd run away. Well, that's one. Danger, the dog has a gun and refuses to take his medication. I'm like, gee whiz. All right, now this one, this is an actual sign. Maybe the others are actual signs as well. Um, you know, some signs are clear. Some signs are confusing. I'm not really sure what's going on. Um, this, this is a sign in Israel. And apparently this is a do not ride a tractor or a horse or a bike in this lane. And I thought, I think we need a few like more X marks through these things because I think it's, it's, it's a little confusing. So uh, signage is important, but it's trying to you know, warn people, don't, don't ride those things here. And uh, they did such a great job. All right, next one. Love this one. Think. Do it right the first time. Plan ahead. <laughs> and then uh, I love this one. Do not climb. Play on. And a round pipe. And um, everybody is obviously obeying that sign there. And uh, we got a couple more. This one you probably have on your desk, maybe. To avoid injury warning, don't tell me how to do my job. Some of y'all are guilty of that, right? Oh, man. And then, in case of fire, exit building before tweeting about it. You know why all these signs are made? It's because people have actually done these things. All right, and the final sign, I believe, if the door does not open, do not <laughs> enter. Oh, I got two more. I just, I love that. I think that's my favorite one out of it, you know. This is how tigers see you. Danger, do not cross safety barriers. Oh, and then finally, uh, maybe this is my favorite warning. Do not use for drying pets. I'm not sure who thought about that, but um, if you tried to dry your pet that way, I'm praying for you. All right, so you've seen a, a beware of dog sign, right, on somebody's fence. Beware of dog. Jesus is telling us here, he's, he's saying beware of something. He's not saying beware of dogs. He's saying beware of wolves. Wolves. In that first couple of verses, he's saying beware of wolves. Now imagine if you saw a wolf, maybe some of you have, and you come from that neck of the woods where you saw a wolf, and um, imagine if you saw a wolf in the backyard or the front yard. I would be highly intimidated. And, uh, and from what I hear, wolves are, are, are some of the most ferocious hunters. They're, they're bold. They will go into new territories. They will attack. They are the shepherd's sort of most dreaded enemy. More than bears, more than lions, wolves, because of their boldness for attacking animals and, and, and different things, man, they are a dreaded enemy. And Jesus is equating, he's saying, beware of, of wolves that teach you 
false thing. It's a warning sign saying, hey, pay attention to this. Like a big sign here. Look, look at this, because this is most important as I talk about the kingdom of heaven. He's saying, beware of these things. And so as we talk about these, these wolves here, you know, many signs, right, like some of these go completely unheeded. Um, I'm told that the captain of the Titanic did not heed the warning signs for the icebergs. History tells us that he received and the boat received six warnings about icebergs and they did not pay attention. Over 1,500 people lost their lives and, and met their demise in a cold and icy grave in the Atlantic Ocean. Warnings are important, right? So reach over, touch your neighbor and say, pay attention to the warnings. Pay attention to the warnings. And so if you look at verse 15 with me, We'll look at the warning Jesus gives us and make a couple applications and then uh, be out of here. Verse 15, Jesus says this, Beware of false prophets, false teachers, right, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous, what? Wolves. Uh, Mr. Mark, who's not here today, is one of our summer camp workers. He told an awesome joke, and maybe the kids reminded uh, you of it, and, and I love that joke, and, and kids, you can go home and, and share it again. But he said, what what do you get, um, what, what do you call a sheep covered in chocolate? Did any of the kids tell you guys? Do you kids remember what Mr. Mark said? He said, it's a candy bar. <laughs> that was great. If you don't like that, just uh, talk to Mr. Mark during the week, and... Um, I heard somebody say, what do you get when you cross a wolf with a sheep? Anybody know? You got to get a new sheep. There you go. There you go. I'm, I'm here all week, folks. And um, my good friend Parker will, will do a much better job. He, he does some stand-up comedy and, and uh, probably is way better than I am. And so, But look at verse 15. Be, beware is a warning sign. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. He's saying... I think we got a picture of this too, right? We got a picture of this. This is always fun. Can you, kids, can you guys see the wolf? Can you find the wolf up there? Which one is he? See, Jesus is warning us and he's saying, hey, look, there's going to be a lot of false teachers out there. There's going to be a lot of false teachers that are trying to, trying to direct people away from the kingdom of God because coming into the kingdom of God, being a Christian, really is very simple. We try to confuse it a whole lot and make it more difficult than it is and muddy it up with religious terms and religious ceremonies and all that sort of stuff. But he says entering the kingdom of God is really very simple. But he said beware of wolves that are dressed in sheep's clothes because they are trying to devour. It says they're ravenous wolves. And he goes on in the next verse, verse 16, he says, you will recognize them by their fruits. So it's important to say what kind of fruit is coming out of somebody's life? Are grapes gathered from a thorn bush? Now these uh, analogies here don't work for us. So maybe he would say, do, do you pick uh, grapes off an orange tree or something like that? That would seem to be a little more normal. Or or uh, do you pick an apple off of a cucumber bush? Or somebody growing some cucumbers in your backyard there. Um, or, or or figs from thistles, right? You don't, you don't get a pear, you know, out of out of a, um, a little strawberry bush down there on the ground. He's, he's using analogies that they would understand. Verse 17, so every healthy tree, though, bears good fruit, and diseased trees bear bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. Why? Because its roots are bad, right? Nor can a diseased tree bear 
good fruit. But every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their what? By their fruits. And so he's warning us about these false teachers. There are many religious teachers today, many churches today, TV preachers, all kinds of people. And, and they, are, they are sheep. They're wolves dressed up in sheep's clothing. They're trying to direct people away from the kingdom of God through false teaching. And so Jesus says, beware. It's a big sign. Watch out for these people. It's up to us, ladies and gentlemen, to know God's word, to read it, and to seek it out. And, and listen, hey, if any preacher, if this preacher preaches something other than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, then I'd be a false teacher. I need to say, hey, pastor, I love you, but may you teach him something else. And so beware is Jesus' warning to us. And so how do we enter the kingdom of heaven? He kind of gives us the, the short and condensed version here. And so I'll give you a couple things to write down, and, um, and then we'll be out of here. So how do we enter the kingdom of heaven? How do we watch out for these wolves? Number one is this. You can't enter through empty words. You can't enter through empty words, right? How many of you know people that say they're a Christian? You've met some people like that. They say they're a believer, but they don't live anything like that. And, and they live a totally different life. They just have some empty words. They say, yeah, I'm a believer. And they say, as, as the verse declares here in verse 21, down at verse 20, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He's saying there's a group of people who say they're Christians, but they're not going to heaven. They're not part of the kingdom of heaven. Why? He says, because they made an empty promise. I know some folks about to get married here, and, and we're excited. And, um, and, and man, you know, Imagine, imagine folks being at the altar, right? Getting ready to give their vows to one another in marriage. And, and the, the husband, the, the, the future br- uh, groom there is getting ready to give his vows. But the whole time, right, up in front of everybody, the whole time he's got his mind on the bridesmaid. He's giving his vows, but he's got his mind, his heart, Set on her. Or, I mean, it goes both ways, too. So imagine the, the bride getting ready to give her vows, and she's got her eyes and her mind set on the groom, the, the, the groomsman or the best man. And they're up there giving their vows. They're giving these empty vows, empty words. And Jesus says, people who just give lip service and say they're a Christian without fruit, without actually being a follower of me, man, they're not true believers. So Jesus is happy to make this mark here. Heard the story about two brothers, right? And they were both rich, but they were also very wicked. And they lived wild lifestyles, using their wealth to cover up the dark side of their lives. On the surface, however, few people would have guessed the wickedness of these brothers because you know why? They were in church faithfully every Sunday. They looked good. They smiled at everybody. They shook hands. They were serving and doing all those sorts of things. But they were cover-up artists. They were hypocrites. Well, they also contributed, being rich, man, they contributed a ton of money to the local church. Well, that church got a new pastor. He is a fiery young guy. And, uh, man, he preached the truth with zeal and courage. And before long, the attendance of that church grew, grew. They had to get a new building. And, um, and man, they were starting a building program like a lot of churches do, right? And then one of those brothers died. So they asked the pastor to do the funeral. And so the other brother came up to him and pulled the pastor aside. He says, hey, look, I need you to do me a favor here at the funeral. And he's got an envelope. He says, in this envelope, I have a check written for enough money to pay for that entire building project. 
brand new building, state of the art, all right here in this one check. I just need you to do me one favor, Pastor. Pastor said, what's that? He said, I need you to tell everybody at that funeral that my brother was a saint. Pastor thought for a New York minute, said, I can do that. Took the envelope from him, said, I'll see you tomorrow. And uh, being a smart pastor, he went ahead and just uh, deposited that money in the bank. And, um, and then at the funeral the next day, he uh, is standing there before the people, and he, he says, this man before us today was an ungodly sinner. He was wicked to the core. He was unfaithful to his wife. He was hot-tempered with his children, ruthless in his business dealings, and harsh towards his employees. And he was a hypocrite at this church. But compared to his brother, he was a saint. <laughs> That's pretty shrewd, Pastor. I don't know that I'm that shrewd. What am I trying to say, folks? I'm trying to say that there are many people who are hypocrites, and Jesus sees right through that, and he's letting us all know plainly. People who just give lip service to Jesus who say to me, Lord, Lord, will not enter the kingdom of heaven. But he says, look at the next verse there. He says, or oh, it's the same verse, really. He says, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Right? Does the will of my Father in heaven. And so does this mean I have to do something in order to get into heaven? Well, the Bible makes it really clear. There's another verse we're going to throw up on the screen. It's from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 40. What is the will of the Father? It says this For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I'll raise him up on the last day. So, what is the will of God? That we would look to Jesus. And believe in Him. That's the work He's called us to do. We're not getting into heaven because we're good people and we're working, but because we look to Jesus and we believe, we trust in Him. And so, number one is you can't enter heaven through empty words. Number two is this. You can't enter heaven through excellent works. Through excellent works. You can't enter heaven through excellent works. Many people think, oh, if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, then I'll get into heaven, right? I'll just be a, a good person. I'll help little old ladies across the street, I'll give to a, a charity like Eliza Hope Foundation, and maybe at the end the scales will balance and God will let me in. Well, Jesus challenges us in many ways in the Bible. The people here He challenges, they're all concerned about their own pride, their own righteousness. They trust in their own righteousness. It's all about them and their ability to impress God. How many of you know that God is not impressed by our abilities? So look at the, the, the next verse there, right? Verse 22, on that day, on that day, what day? This is the judgment day, folks. This is the day that's coming for every person. Well, each of us will stand before the Lord. I know sometimes it's uncomfortable for people to talk about it, but it, it's going to happen for everybody. We just did a funeral for a, a sweet lady here, uh, Stella and Lona Martin's sister, Miss Lola. And man, it, it's a reminder. Funerals are a reminder. Verse same verse there. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Look look what they're saying. Did we not do this? We did this. Did we not cast out demons in your name and do, look what he says there, many mighty works in your name. Notice what they're bragging on. They're bragging on all the things they have done. They have confidence in themselves. They're saying, hey, I grew up in church. I attended a church. I sang in the choir. I took up an offering. The focus is on them. These people are appealing to their works as a basis for entrance into the kingdom of heaven. But we know that's really false. Because in the next verse, Jesus says, Depart from me. I never 
knew you. I never knew you. Knowing Christ is what gains a person entrance into heaven. In fact, earlier as he started the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 2, he says this. This is how you gain entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5, 2, we'll put it on the screen, says this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is what? The kingdom of heaven. It's the people who say, I'm poor in spirit. I don't have anything to appeal to. I don't have any righteousness. The only righteousness I have to look forward to is Christ. He was perfect. He died on the cross for my sins. I heard the preacher say he'd make an exchange with me. And so, man, that's the only place I'm looking to. I'm just bankrupt spiritually. Jesus says that's the people that have entrance into the kingdom of heaven, the people who admit they need Christ. They need help. And so that's really what we're talking about here. So it's not excellent works or performance. I like to call these people make-believers. They're make-believers. They have confidence in religion and their church attendance in order to make them acceptable to God, and they appeal to their works. What they talk about is what they've done instead of talking about what Christ has done for them. And then finally, we'll close with this. How do we enter the kingdom of heaven? We can only enter through Christ, through the merits of what Christ has done for us. He came down to this earth as the kids were singing, right? And, and he lived the perfect life. And he says, I'm willing to make a trade with any person, no matter what you've done, what walk of life you come from, willing to make a trade with you. I have a, I desire a relationship with you that you would walk with me. So I'm willing to make that trade. Look at verse 13. This is what he said. He says, enter, enter by the narrow gate. Enter by the, he's telling us how to get in to the kingdom of heaven. He says, enter by the, the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Those who enter it are many. And verse 14, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to what? It leads to life. He's talking about eternal life. I shared the story yesterday, but I heard the phrase, the quote that says, this is easier for a gnat. Can y'all picture a gnat, a little bug that bugs us, right? It'd be easier for a gnat to lift the earth than for a person to get into heaven on their own goodness, apart from the work of Christ and the Holy Spirit in them. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Easier for a gnat to lift the weight of the earth than for you and I to get into heaven on our own merits. We're only as Christians depending upon the merit of Christ. And so entering the kingdom is not about your conduct. Right, folks? Entering the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is not about your church attendance. Entering the kingdom of heaven is not about your capacity to be this great person. Entering the kingdom is not about the cost that, that you would have to pay. Entering the kingdom of heaven is not about being conservative, but entering the kingdom of heaven is only about Christ. And we put our trust in Him. And so that's how we get in there. So He's telling us how to get in. I got a picture of a kingdom. Right? And that doesn't that look like a nice kingdom. Looks a little bit like the magic kingdom. Um, just, that's both a pleasant place and a nightmare for parents. And um, But notice he's saying, enter by the narrow way. And, and sometimes the narrow way bothers people. But if we say, hey, there's a bridge that gets you into the kingdom of heaven, you have to go on that bridge. Nobody's like, oh, that's offensive. But all of a sudden in our day and age today, we start saying there's a narrow way and few that are that find it. There's, there's a door, right? You've got a gate and a door to your house. Nobody's like, oh, you only got one door? You only got two doors in your house? Oh, that's, that's offensive. No. And if you tell them, hey, when you come to my house, man, pull around back. I got a door back there. Knock on that door. We don't answer the front door, right? You know, people are like, why don't you answer? We know there's a way to do things, right? And Jesus is kindly telling us, enter through the narrow gate. I think we got another picture. This one's perhaps uh, maybe what they had in mind back in their times as they were uh, building up these defensible kingdoms and that sort of thing. 
they made this bridge there so that it was a way for the people to come in and out, but in case an advancing army would attack them, they could stop things at the bridge and they were safe. And so this is the, the visual picture Jesus has in his mind, right? He's saying, enter through this narrow gate. Well, what is the narrow gate? Well, I love that what Jesus says uh, later on in the Bible in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 9, is one of my favorite verses. He says, I am the door. I am the door. I am the gate, right? He says, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. But now, look, there's another warning, very similar to the warning he just gave. There's a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. How many know that's Satan's plan for your life, for your children's life, for our family's life, for our marriages? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But then look what Jesus says. I have come that they may have what? Life. And, and have it abundantly. God is not coming to beat us up. He's coming to give us life and abundantly. But he's saying this life is found in walking with me on the narrow road. But here's the beautiful thing. I like to call it the freeway, the highway to heaven. I know some of y'all learned the song, right? Highway. I'll let you guys. I don't want your kids to be singing that. Our kids might already be singing that. I don't know. That's okay. But we can say the highway to heaven. And I like to call it the freeway to life because it doesn't cost us a dime. It's free. doesn't matter how rich you are. doesn't matter your political affiliation. Jesus is offering every single person life and eternity with him. Anyone can enter. You don't have to have a PhD. You don't have to know a whole lot about the Bible. What you have to do is put your trust, sir or ma'am, in Jesus Christ. He says it like this in John chapter 6, verse 37. He says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, look at what Jesus says. I will never cast out. Man, we get to tell our kids, especially parenting, we get to tell our kids, man, you can come to Jesus and it doesn't matter how bad you mess up. Mom and dad mess up. And I'm here to remind you, there's nothing you've done, sir or ma'am, that would keep you out of the kingdom of God. Your past does not dictate your future. Because Jesus is inviting you. He's inviting you. He's saying, watch out for false teachers who try to trip you up with that. Enter through the narrow gate. And I'm that gate. You come to me and I will never cast you out. What a promise, isn't it? It's a beautiful promise. And so as we wrap up today, do you know for sure, sir or ma'am, that you would enter the kingdom of heaven? Man, we'd love to, to have you know for sure your eternal destiny can be set, that Christ loves you, he died on the cross. It's not empty words, so don't make an empty profession. And it's also not excellent works. You're not working your way into the kingdom, but it's a life change. And when you meet Jesus, he changes your whole perspective. I didn't grow up in church myself. I didn't meet Christ until I was 18 years old. And, um, and man, all of a sudden, when I met Christ and I heard the gospel and I heard this good news, that's what the gospel means, man, all of a sudden, I, I started changing. I couldn't explain it. I started to change on the inside. And that's what happens to a Christian because God starts turning the world, what? Right side up. Right side up. And you know where he starts that? He starts that in my heart and he starts that in your heart. And so do you know that for sure today? We'd love to help you with that and uh, be our prayer to help you. Also, man, parents. Parents, this is a great opportunity for us to remember. There, there are ravenous wolves that want to teach our kids all kinds of crazy things. It's our job as parents and, and grandparents as well, by extension. And man, it's our job to warn our kids about wolves and sheep's clothing and let them know, man, Christ loves you. Man, if, if, you, if you need one verse to take to your kids, I know they're in the VBS Bible verse, but tell them that John 6 verse and say, look, you come to Jesus, he'll never cast you away. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through, Christ will always receive you. And so that's why we're here as a church. And so we're going to pray, and then we're going to have our closing song and be ready to celebrate. And so appreciate your time here today. And so let's go before the Lord in prayer.
and then we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the beauty of the gospel, a message that is countercultural to the world, countercultural, honestly, to what most of us get taught, is that there is a freeway, a freeway to life, and you paid the toll so we could all get on that freeway. Lord, there is a highway that leads to heaven, and you've invited every person, every boy, every girl, every adult who would turn from their sins and trust Christ. You've invited us to get on that highway. Lord, just like a, a, an exit sign on, on 64, you're, you're telling us, exit now, heaven. And we can get off the road that we're on, a road of our own selfishness, a road of our own arrogance and pride, thinking that our, our church attendance or our religious service would get us to heaven. And we get on the freeway called grace, as your word says. We are saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest any man, woman, child should boast. So, Father, we thank you for the glorious gospel that sets us free. And Lord, honestly, we do stand amazed because there's nobody else like you. Lord, we are amazed because there's nobody who welcomes us even when we fail again and again. There's nobody who loves us like you do. And so, God, today is a celebration of all that our kids have learned at BBS, all they've learned this summer. This is a celebration of the gospel, the free offer of heaven, the free offer of a relationship with Christ, that our hearts could be drawn to you, not just get a ticket and some fire insurance for eternity, but really that we love Christ and we cherish him. So, Father, we love you today. In Jesus' name we pray.